Hi there. I'm Michael Marvash, and this is The Dead Man's Forest, a weekly conversation about life and meaning and the things that we can teach and learn from one another. Today, we continue listening to my conversation with my friend Joyce and learning from some of her wisdom. Last week, she and I talked about connection of things, and we finished with one example of connection being the cycle of life that we all go through, that we share with all living things. I talked about the medicine wheel, which the School of Lost Borders calls the Four Shields. And as Joyce and I resume our conversation, you can hear her exuberance about one of the phases of that wheel. Let's listen. Yeah, here it is spring again. And I think, you know, I'm old enough so that I've been through so many springs. And it's still, I'm, a, I'm amazed not just at spring, but I'm amazed every year at how excited I am by spring. And, you know, I plant seeds out in the garden, and then every day I go look and see if they're bigger than yesterday and how much they're just loving the rain these two weeks. And when I think, oh, I can't ride my bike or I can't do this because it's raining or it's whatever, I think, oh, my gosh, the garden just is lapping it up. And it, it's amazing every year. It's so amazing to think of to think about that piece of the cycle. And, you know, even the weeds that fill in where something else isn't growing and they take advantage of it, that's sort of a miracle too, an annoying miracle. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing. And the birds, the birds these days, I'm a birder, the birds are just going nuts out, out there. I have been spending some time up near Cascade and there's still many feet of compressed snow where I go in the mountains and yet the birds are out look at me look at me look at here's this perfect home for you I don't know where my mate is but here I am in the snow and and she should come and find me because I have the perfect place to raise a family <laughs> so you know there they are again every year <laughs> it's amazing all different chapters of the of the cycle right you talked about how thinking about death can make life more fulfilling and meaningful and vital can you talk more about that about maybe share some specific examples or something to help listeners kind of contextualize i should say here really quickly that joyce does a lot of work with death and dying, not necessarily in end-of-life care, but in helping people prepare psychologically and emotionally and logistically for their own death. She runs a program here in Boise called Death Cafes, which are very simply put group conversations with strangers where the topic of death is front and center. And I've attended 
some death cafes and found them to be very powerful experiences. Certainly uncomfortable for me in some ways, but I think that discomfort is a learned behavior on my part. And as I will talk about later in today's episode, one that I would like to unlearn. Let's listen to Joyce talk about some of the things she's learned through her work with death and dying. So our culture has gotten removed from death in, in several respects by the medical profession because people often don't die naturally anymore. We, we in an effort to, to, quote, do everything possible to keep them alive, we hook them up to machines and feeding tubes and do CPR that damages the body and, and try every treatment and every surgery and every medication possible. And so many people die a long, lingering death, and a death that's filled with fear and denial. And, and secondarily, our uh, funeral profession has taken death away from the home, away from the family. And when somebody dies, we quickly call the, the mortuary and uh, the, the men in black suits come and put the body in a body bag, whether it's from the home or from a hospital or nursing care facility and whisk it away. And so, so many people these days have no direct experience with death. They you know, we all have people in our families and our friends and our circle who have died. But um, in terms of dealing with death and what, what it's really like, people are inexperienced. Of course, there's fear. Of course, there's denial because we've removed it from daily life. It used to be a part of daily life. And I'm not in any way suggesting, I'm not being negative about the the medical profession, for example, the medical profession has has does amazing stuff, and so many people are helped in in so many respects by the wonders of the medical profession. But in terms of death, we've taken it away from the person and from the family's experience. So I think a lot of people. People are rushing to come to participate in death cafes and discussions about death because they want to learn something more. Others are totally afraid. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to. I don't want to get my things in order. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that because I might. I might bring it on, <laughs> which is kind of a strange thought. But I think by becoming more familiar with death. It's easier to talk to people who are dying. It's easier to talk to people who are grieving for people in their life that have died. It's easier to get things in order to have conversations with one's family members about what's wanted. We can't, none of us, well, let's say very few people, control how or when they die. But by thinking about it, by putting, doing a number of business items and a number of emotional items and having conversations, one can perhaps influence what happens. 
as one's dying and certainly after one has died in terms of what you want or you want what you want done with your body what kind of service if any do you want what do you want done with your your special things there are all kinds of issues but i think i i also think it helps people to focus on the time that they're remaining it's so easy for all of us regardless of age to slide from one thing to the next and to just sort of do what faces us and what's necessary as opposed to stopping to think. You know this from the, the vision quest, which gets you to stop and take a look at what in your life needs to end, what new possibilities are there. And I think becoming more familiar with, more comfortable with, not necessarily taking away all fear, but be, being more comfortable with death as a part of life, it allows us to focus on, okay, at this time in my life, what's really important? What really matters? What haven't I done that I really want to do? What haven't I said that I really want to say? What am I doing that really I don't want to be doing anymore? I don't want to be spending my time this way. So helps people to focus and I think become more gracious, more grateful, more delighted with what what's going on in their life at at this point, whether, you know, regardless of age. I believe we have one precious life to live. And our atoms and our molecules continue on, but I'm I'm not so so big on well, we've got a second and third and a fourth chance, as yeah. some people believe. And and I think we shouldn't fritter it away. Yeah. That, um, we have one precious life to live. I think Mary Oliver said that. And and who's who's who can do anything about that life? Only us, really, right. when it comes yeah. right down to it. So why not focus not in a morbid way on the end, but to acknowledge to recognize that the end will come the end is certainly of this body that right. we're you know incarnated in at the moment will yeah. end and so yeah. why not focus on how amazing it is and and how we want to spend that remaining time right. at all possible and with whom yeah out of fear or anxiety or whatever feelings we have associated with death we we use those as an excuse to not think about it which l lets us give ourselves a pass on figuring out what's really important to us yes focusing on it yes. yeah 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 thank you that 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 makes the connection really clear and i think that you know we we think about our legal wills if we have any remaining resources or stuff or property who we're going to give it to but we often don't think about our ethical will what what values what principles what beliefs what ways of being are we giving to our family our children our grandchildren our friends our community how will we be remembered and i think that's a valuable process to both write and contemplate an ethical will and again it's something that mm. helps us really focus on now who am i 
You know, right. what, what matters to me? Right. I had never thought about that concept before. It's part and parcel of uh, anyone's, anyone who has chosen a vocation, part of that vocation. These are the ideas that I think are important that I would hope continue on when I am gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So I'll expand just a little bit more on the this one precious life idea. And, and I think you mentioned fear. I mentioned fear. I think a lot of people live their whole life based on fear. It's so common to focus on what might happen. And I can't do this because of X. Uh, I can't do that. They might not. I mean, that's all about teenage life is what would my friends think about me if I did such and such? Well, we carry that on in our lives. And so many people live in fear. And my biggest fear of death is to be mauled by a grizzly bear. And I think, okay, that's a real fear. Um, You know, there's some legitimacy if I'm backpacking in country, not in my house in Boise, but if I'm backpacking in country where grizzlies live, that's a legitimate fear. And I'd really rather not go that way, if at all possible. That wouldn't be fun. But there aren't a lot of fears that have legitimacy for most people now there are people who are terrified about how they're going to feed themselves from day to day that's a legitimate fear for people with no resources but the majority of the fears that people have are unnecessary and life draining so you know i i think it's important to look fear in the face and move forward with fear or in spite of fear rather than being stopped by fear and to decide what's important and go for it to to do it and and to speak out to act to put your put yourself on the line for what really matters not just for yourself but for your family for your community for for the planet to speak out and to be heard, to be bold, and to, and to do it. Another piece of, of that, slightly different, but I think it's, it's part of so many people on their deathbed have things that are unsaid, or they wait to die until the particular person arrives, or to apologize to somebody, or to tell somebody they love them. And I've learned increasingly how important it is to tell people now, to thank them now, to express gratitude now, to tell them you love them now, to apologize, to ask for forgiveness for something now, to forgive now, to mm. live to live currently, to, to not wait till your deathbed to right. do that unfinished business, but to live and speak currently and how important that is my mother used to 
tell stories that were like 20 years old about so-and-so who did something that she didn't like 20 years ago. And I think, oh my God, what wasted energy. If you didn't like it 20 years ago, why didn't you talk to her 20 years ago rather than hang on to that thread of resentment? Yeah, and that mode is understandable given we put off those thoughts of death, mm -hmm. we say. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what our culture's taught us to do. Like, don't think about it. It's off in the future. Mm -hmm. and, and therefore, we can also put off dealing with all of those things that are hard to deal with to that amorphous point in the future. Exactly. Um, yet bringing that death closer to us, as you've been talking about it and saying, it could happen to me when I walk out the door, makes you... It gives you a new context for speaking that truth now. Right. Because, hey, for all you know, it could be your last chance. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it encourages, I, I believe, people to live more authentically. Yeah. You know, with greater integrity about this is who I am. This is what I'm feeling. This is, and not everybody likes that. Right. <laughs> sure not everybody likes that but i know that only too well <laughs> but it's a cleaner more honest uh, healthier way to live i believe yeah simpler it's much simpler and it's a skill learning to live that way is a skill yeah, yeah. unlearning perhaps <laughs> unlearning yeah. to live the other way right yeah, I think it's a set of skills, and it comes back to, you know, I I think the older I get, the I feel more generous and more respectful in many ways, but I'm less willing to waste time with old stuff hanging around. So I'm more willing to generously, graciously speak the truth. Once again, we've reached a pretty good pause point in the conversation, which lets us end on a powerful note about one of the ways in which living an authentic life is an act of courage. When I wrap up my conversation with Joyce in next week's episode, you'll hear her share some personal examples of how this method of living life with an awareness of death has influenced her behavior. That is all for today. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your courage in thinking about some of these challenging ideas. And I hope to talk to you next week on The Dead Man's Forest. As always, if you have anything to say, please reach out using the contact form on deadmansforest.org. I'm glad that you're here. And for now, bye-bye.